Uh, with that in mind, uh, let's go to God's Word this morning. You can turn over to Colossians chapter 1. I realize that's not in the book of Matthew, uh, where we've been. Uh, you're going, man, you're a scholar. You figured that out? Uh, Colossians chapter 1, it's a passage that has been bouncing around in my head for the last three weeks as I think about being thankful and joyful. And if I could confess to you that, um, and maybe you can relate to this, uh, I'm not prone to joy and thanksgiving. Um, some have mentioned to me that sometimes I'm grouchy. Uh, you may live with someone like this too. Don't, no pointing. No pointing in church, okay? Um, or, you know, elbowing either isn't good. Uh, but maybe you're prone to that as I am. And it doesn't come easy. It's not something that joy and thanksgiving are, are things that come easy to me. And, and it's not because my life is not good, but it's because of who I am and the way I look at things. And I, I want to give you some tips this week of being thankful. And I realize that this isn't really my message. This is my pre-message or my second pre-message, okay? Um, and I want to give you some tips, some thing, things to think about as we consider uh, being thankful this week. First of all, God is the one that we are thankful to uh, for all the good things that that, that happen in our life and the things that we can point to. Uh, it's interesting to talk to kids. Many times kids think this way and adults think this way too. They just don't say it out loud. If you say, well, what are you thankful for? And they say, I'm thankful for myself. Or I'm thankful to myself that I'm so great. And uh, that's, that's this self-centered thing that we need to get away from as we are going to be thankful that we realize that it's something outside of us. And that place is God, our Father in heaven. He's blessed us. So connect all the good things in your life to God working in your life and give Him the thanks. The second thing I would tell you about being thankful is this. Your focus will make the difference. Um, our eyes are drawn to that which is wrong. I don't know why that is. This morning I, I was walking into the church and um, I was walking with some people and they, they pointed to the leaves and they go, what are these doing here? And I said, they fell from the tree right over there. And uh, they, were, they were pointing out that it was wrong. Did they, they, our eyes are drawn to that. I do that. I, I can point out all the things that are wrong and I see them. And, and you know what happens when I see them? A lot of times I, I just stand there and I look at them. And then I go, oh, everything's wrong around here. Uh, for those of you who have uh, unfinished do-it-yourself projects at your house, you know what I'm talking about? That, that feeling where you're standing in front of them and you say, oh, just everything's wrong around here. That's not true. And, and it, it, it matters where you're focused. If you're focused on that what's wrong that you don't like or that which uh, is, you're going to be either thankful or complaining or critic one or the other, depending on what you're focusing on. That's going to be a big part of our message this morning. And then lastly, uh, focus on the big stuff uh, of what you can be thankful for, the big stuff. Um, oftentimes, we look at small things that can change, and we say, oh, it's so great. Um, I have this meal before me. Oh, it's so great. I'm so thankful for this meal. And we should be. But there's a problem with that meal. 
it will only last a little time. And guess what? You're going to want, if you have a great lunch, you're going to want dinner later, right? And there's going to be another lunch. And so look for the big things that you can focus on, that it can anchor your whole uh, inside, your soul, your person, so that you can be thankful, a thankful person. My message this morning, uh, it's titled, and I always struggle with titles, um, it is the idea of a Thanksgiving prayer, or maybe a better title would be a Thanksgiving life, how we can live a Thanksgiving life. And so if you turn over to Colossians chapter 1, I want to share from God's Word this morning from uh, verse 9 through 14. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read this to you. And this is uh, Paul's prayer for the church at Colossae. Um, he is telling them what he's thankful for them and, and kind of how he is praying for them. And we get the second portion of this prayer. Verse 9, he says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you, strengthen, may you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and delivered us. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would uh, help us to fixate on your blessings to us that we might have joy and thanksgiving. God, do your work in us now in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, I want to kind of give you a path of what it means to have a life that is a life of thanksgiving, to be connected with God and to point all your life with Him. The the first part of, in verse 9, is the idea of embracing His will for you. Embracing His will for you. As you look at this, Paul uh, was praying for them, and he says, uh, And so from the day we heard this, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will, of His will. Um, His will is different than your will. And this is part of the the transformation that goes on and the saving that goes on in your life. If if you've trusted in Christ, I want to tell you, there's a difference now. There's a difference now. Prior to knowing Christ, life is really simple. Um, at least in decision making, because you, you do what you want. You do what you want. You just ask yourself what you want, and then you do it. Uh, the, the implications of all that aren't that simple. They're painful. But you just kind of ask yourself, and you just do whatever you want. Paul's changing, and he's praying. He's praying that they would know, that they would have not just a cursory knowledge, a, a shallow knowledge, but that they would truly know His will for them. Um, this is 
what we should be embracing. This is part of being a thankful person, is embracing the will of God. Uh, many of us, part of our complaining and discontentment that, that, that kind of saps all the joy and thanksgiving out of our life is that we hate our life. We hate it. We, we look around and we, we look to other people and we say, oh, they have a better life over there. They have a better house. They have a better car. Uh, they have a better wife or better husband or better kids or their life is easier. They have more money. They have a better job. And, and you go, and you, the list goes on. But we miss this one thing. That Paul wasn't praying that they would get a different life and they would get more stuff for themselves. He was praying that they might understand the will of God for them and to be able to embrace it and to be able to see what God is doing. You'd be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Guess what? We, we know what God's will is for us, at least today, right? got us in Tehachapi. And some of you are like, oh, I don't want to be in Tehachapi. Insignificant place in all the wor world. You know, Tehachapi, what's going on in Tehachapi? They have a prison, a couple of windmills, you know. Uh, uh, what's great about the Tehachapi Loop? You know, I, I think other people are, you know, boy, if th this is what identifies us as great. Windmills, prison, loop. Um, and you say, well, I, I, I want to be some other place. God has you here right now. And, and it may not be forever, but it may be forever. It, he's got you here right now. He's got you in this situation. You say, well, you know, oh, I, I just can't stand this phase of life that I'm in right now. Hey, it, it's not for you to want something else. It's for you to embrace what God has for you. It may be very difficult what he has for you right now. You may be married to someone very difficult. You may be the one that's very difficult to be married to. Put that together, okay? Um, this is what God has for you. Embrace this. Why? Why? Because it's his will for you. And this is part of us being joyful, thankful people is that God has a will for us today and his will is best. Oh, my lady shared testimony uh, to me in between services that her mother passed away when she was 55. And her mother was the world to her. And the only thing that, she had to get to the place where she understood that God's will was best and to embrace that. And I thought, wow, that, that's, that's what the Lord's telling us as he's inspired his word for us here through the Apostle Paul, that we would know that his will is that which is to be embraced even today. And so we, we find that we need to embrace his will for us or for you. Secondly, as you move down to verse 10, to walk with him every day. And in this passage, Paul shares generally about his will, and then he talks about what that looks like as we walk with him. Uh, this idea of walking, I love it. Paul uses this all the time where he, he's describing life as a journey. Life is a journey where we're walking along the road. It's not that exciting to walk. You know, you can't get that far. You're not moving that fast, but you're in motion. 
And, and he describes this walk as being something that the Lord is present in. And so as we look at this, what is this walk, this walk with him supposed to look like every day? First of all, he says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. You realize that because the Lord has changed you, he's given you a new life, this new life has a different will. It's not based on your will, it's based on his will. And because of that, as we live our lives, guess what? We should be pleasing to him. It should bear his name. If you can picture a child walking with their father and, and there's this constant looking, am I, am I going the right way? Do you, are you pleased with this? Is this what you want? And there should be this constant checking in. Most of us don't do this. We say, well, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And if we check with anyone, it's with our peers and family members. Am I doing what's right? Can I get your affirmation? And what is this? Paul says, let me explain to you what this new life is all about. It's embracing his will, but it's also walking with him every day, making sure that you're pleasing to him. This is what we should ask ourselves as we make decisions, as we take steps, as we involve ourselves in activities and, and set priorities is, Lord, what's going to be pleasing to you? What do you want for my life? And in so doing this, it goes on to say, bearing fruit in every good work. As we please him, guess what will happen? Uh, it will show. It will show. It will bear fruit. And you say, well, what kind of fruit will it bear? All kinds of fruit. It'll make a difference in your own heart. It'll make a difference in your marriage. It'll make a difference in your children. It will make a difference in your relationship with your extended family, with your neighbors, your coworkers. In fact, it'll make an impact in those who don't know Christ. And you say, well, how? Because they will be, because of your life and you sharing the gospel with them, it could even save their soul. God could use that. And you say, wow, that's big stuff. It is big stuff. It seems insignificant, but to exchange your will for now his will and live a life pleasing to him, it will bear fruit, will bear fruit. You say, this, this sounds kind of hard. Uh, this sounds like different to put my will aside and to do something else, to live for pleasing him, that we would be a part of his work. Uh, look at verse 11. It says, may you be strengthened with all power. I'm going to need all power if I'm going to do this, right? I'm going to need more power than I have. Uh, you know what it is to power out, right? To feel like, oh, I can't go on anymore. I, I can't handle this anymore. I, I've, I've, I've gone through this over and over again, and it just, it's just exhausting, and I get exhausted. How many of you have ever uh, opened your wallet and looked, and there wasn't anything there? You know that feeling, right? And you're going, I don't have any more. I don't have any more. That's the idea of not having enough, not having enough strength, not having enough endurance and, and going on and on. And, and when you don't have any, what do you want to do? You quit, right? You want to give up. If you look at God's word, you see this. He, he's calling us to walk in a different manner, worthy of the Lord pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. And then he moves on to talk about strength. But he doesn't say, you be strong. You, you be strong. You be, work really hard at this. He says, 
be strengthened according to His glorious might. That first conclusion you came to, that I don't have enough strength to do this, was the right one. But with His strength, you will have enough. You will have enough. You can make it. The danger for all of us here today is quitting. It's quitting. Of giving up. Giving up uh, on your marriage. Giving up on your kids. Giving up on the Lord. Going back to your own devices. Giving up on His will. Tried your will. It doesn't work. I'm going to go back to my own will. At least that's familiar. We have a tendency to want to quit when things get difficult. We want to give up. If you look at the, the next couple of words there, he says, for all endurance and patience. Endurance, right? You know what endurance is, right? It's not the sprint, it's the marathon. It's the idea of it going a long time. And most of the time, trials do something like this. They enter our life at a point in time. And they start moving along and they go... About this point, you go, oh, Lord, I could use some help here. And then it goes on a little further. And you say, Lord, I don't know how much more of this I can take. You might go a little further. And you say, Lord, I can't take it anymore. And he says, I know, I know. And it goes a little further than that. And you say, Lord, have you abandoned me? No. I wanted you to trust in my strength, not in your strength. The trials last a long time, and he calls on us for endurance. The other word in there is patience. Patience is that thing that triggers, I, I know how long it's supposed to last. I can't handle this anymore. Uh, it isn't going according to my schedule, right? He calls us to this patient, endurant, enduring life that's walking with him and not quitting, but he also gives us the strength to do it. He says, depend on my strength, not on your strength. And this is the word that got me. Look at those next couple of words there. Well, patience, endurance, endurance, patience, and then what? With joy. With joy. If I asked you uh, what gives you joy, what brings you joy, you'd say, oh, when my family's all together and everyone's happy. And you say, oh, joy doesn't happen very often for you, right? You say, no, I, I, joy, I, lo I love the sunshine. I love the sunshine. Oh, it snowed this last week. It might snow this next week. Uh, for you, some of you students here, joy. When school gets canceled because of uh, snow, joy, I love it. I love it. You ever getting, gotten a call at 5 o'clock in the morning and it made you happy? That's a snow day is what that is. Two-hour delay. Uh, these are the things that, and you say, this is what brings me joy. This is what uh, makes my life great. I, I want to point you back to the scripture. He's just talk, talked about needing a life that needs strength. And he's talked about endurance and patience. That's the idea of trudging along and not quitting in the midst of difficult times. And he says, in that, in that time, with joy. With joy. Isn't that peculiar? 
Isn't that something that doesn't quite fit? Most of the time we think, when life is good, I can have joy. When, when my health is good, then I can have joy. When I'm comfortable with uh, my finances, then I can have joy. When I'm comfortable with my schedule and my time and what's going on with my wife and what's going on with my kids and what's going on with my grandkids, then I can have joy. But Paul writes, and he calls us to a life that in the midst of whatever's going on, with joy, with joy. This is what it means to walk with God. And you say, well, how can I have this? Um, that's, I think, where we're going in this passage. Is he, he says, with joy. And then he expresses what it is we can be thankful for. Before we move on to that, I want to remind you of a little history in our country. Uh, a couple of things. I'm not a history buff. Um, that kind of separates some of us. Some of you love reading history. Um, and that's okay for you. I'm glad for you. I just don't enjoy it personally. But we know why uh, in this country we, we celebrate this time of year. We're reminded of our original settlers, the original people who came over on the Mayflower. And, and especially for the, that group of, within the Mayflower, those who walked with God, who wanted a, a different life. They wanted to be able to worship and you say, well, what was it? They, they stopped. They stopped and they wanted to be thankful. They were reminding each other of that they needed to be thankful. And what I find peculiar about that is, first of all, they had a rough journey over. But one man died on the way, okay? And then they got there and there was all this indecision and where, where should we go and this this new world that they hadn't explored and they were nervous about it. And they, they came and they came at a time where winter was just starting to hit and they didn't have time to set up their homes. And it was such a tough year, it was such a tough year that over half of them died. Put that in perspective for us here this morning. Um, what if this half died and next year we got together and we were the same group here? If you'd consider that, you'd go, that, that would make it difficult to get together and talk. Hey, how was your last year? And we would go, oh. And we'd think about the seats that were empty. We would remember the difficulty. And, and some were, were still sick and were still struggling. And, and, and we would look around and we but this was the call to Thanksgiving, this was the time and, and the, the circumstance is after over half of them had passed away. They would have thought of children that had passed away and, and of spouses and leaders. And, 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 you know, you think about this and you go, this, is, this has been an intense time. How can you be thankful in a time like that? It's interesting that uh, Thanksgiving as a, a national holiday didn't come into being until the time of Abraham Lincoln, where he made a Thanksgiving proclamation. Uh, it's kind of interesting. You should read it. Uh, where he acknowledged that uh, we are thankful to our God and Father in heaven, that it's his blessing, that we are to point that which is good and that which we are enjoying back to him. But I find it interesting, not just that Abraham Lincoln did that and he made that proclamation, but some of you know this, when he did it, it was in the midst of the Civil War. 
was towards the end of the Civil War where people had died. The country was divided. Families were divided. And you say, that doesn't see, it seems like a good time to talk about Thanksgiving is after the war's over. After the good times uh, have come again and we can, we can sit around and be happy that everything was going great. But I want to tell you that joy is found in the midst of trials. Not in a, it, it's not just when they're gone. And so we look at how to be thankful. As you move on to verse 12, I, I would encourage you to give thanks to your father all the time. And I'd say it this way, the work your father did in his special son, Jesus. This is the one thing, the one eternal thing, the one thing that is always true if you've come to know Christ. You look down at verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the father. And then he goes on to describe the, the riches that are found in Jesus Christ. The riches. And he it's like Paul was layering this goodness of salvation over and over again. He, he first uses this word. He says, uh, who has qualified you? And you say, qualified? What have I qualified for? He's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That you have an inheritance. And, and this is one of these, these concepts that's so hard for us to get. You say, well... How do you get an inheritance? Well, that's from a family member. And how do you, not, not everyone gets an inheritance. We know that. You know, there's some kids the, the father likes and others they don't. And so how do you get an inheritance? Well, you're an heir. In Galatians, the book of Galatians, it describes this. It says, it talks about this adoption process where we go from being outside of God's family to now inside of God's family, but not just a son, but not just a son, but an heir, but an heir. And so as Paul describes this, you need to remember, this is how we are thankful, is that we fix our eyes on what we have in Christ. And the first thing is that he has qualified you. He's qualified you. You were unqualified apart from the work of Jesus. But the Father in His special Son qualified you for an inheritance with the saints. This is good stuff. As you look down at verse 13, you realize this. It's not over. That's not all. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He's delivered us. It's, it's the picture of he has snatched us out of that situation. I'm not looking for a show of hands, but have you ever seen yourself in a dark place? Have you ever gone to a place and involved yourself in sin and, and involved yourself with people that are sinful and watched your life being in this wicked place? And you say, but now I, I'm Christ. I've been saved. What he did is he delivered you. He snatched you out of the domain of darkness. That ugly, dark spot that you're in, he grabbed you out of it. And you say, boy, this is great. And you say, well, what can I be thankful for? My health isn't good. You can be thankful. You have an inheritance that, that he, has, he has qualified you for an inheritance. And guess what? He's also delivered you from the domain of darkness. You say, some of you say, well, I've never been in that place. You could have been without Jesus. You could have been. That was the, 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 the train you were on. 
And he delivered you. He snatched you out of there. Delivered you from the domain of darkness. And he goes on to say, middle of verse 13, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We didn't just get delivered. We, We got a transfer. We got a transfer. We were in an awful place. And he didn't just save us out of that place, but he grabbed us and he transferred us and he placed us in a special place. And what is that place? What does it say? He transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. He, and if you think about this, the domain of darkness, all those people in the domain of darkness are the objects of his wrath. His judgment is placed on them. And he says, I, I want to take you out of there. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? They would take you out of that. But where is all his favor? What, what, what is the place where his, uh, the father's pleasure and, and his blessings lie? And he turns around and he says, the, the kingdom of my beloved son. He says, this is where I place you. I bring you into the home, into the house, into the castle, whatever picture you like. But he says, I take you out of the domain of darkness and I bring you into the place of my favor with my beloved son. He's qualified you. He's delivered you. He's transferred you. Paul's laying it on here. By the inspiration of God, he's, he's layering the riches over and over again. He transferred us to the kingdom, verse 14, in whom we have redemption. Back to your situation. Uh, you were a slave to sin. You were enslaved to it. You couldn't get out of it. You say, oh, I, you know, it didn't feel that bad. Sometimes it did feel that bad. I, I couldn't get out of it. And this slavery to sin, what happened? He redeemed you. He bought you. He, he bought you with the precious blood of his son. He redeemed you. And then the last word he uses here is this. The last thing he tells us regarding what we are to give thanks for, the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. That every one of your sins, past, present, future, every one of them was forgiven and is forgiven because of what Jesus has done. That's good stuff. As you consider um, what you're thankful for, your health may be terrible. Your health may be terrible. Your finances might be worse. Your... uh, situation you're living in, your marriage, your, your kids, everything might be falling apart. If you know Jesus Christ, you have something big to be thankful for. Big, huge. Not just big, huge, but something eternal. You might uh, be eating a bad meal. And you say, that's all right. I won't be eating here forever. They're going to have a, a, a banquet where I'm going that will be beyond compare. You, you may look at your house and you say, oh, uh, I, I hate my house. My roof's leaky, moldy. There's rats and mice, bugs and kids. And you say, uh, th- those don't all go together. I'm just saying that might be true. And, and, and you say, I, you know, oh, I just can't. 
hey, this isn't my final destination. This is just a temporary place. My situation at work may not be all that great. My, my situation, you know, I, I might be going to the doctor over and over and over again. You say, that's okay. I'm even getting a new body. <laughs> this one's falling apart. And, you know, they, they can only put so much duct tape and bailing wire on this thing. And, you know, we, it, it won't be. I want to tell you a new body's coming. And, and I want to tell you that this is the riches that we have in Jesus. This is something we can be thankful for. And this is something that can give us joy no matter what's going on today. My hope for us is this, that uh, our week would be filled with joy and thanksgiving directed to our Heavenly Father because of what He has given us in His Son, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your many, many blessings. God, uh, help us Fix our eyes and turn our gaze and dwell upon what you have done for us in Jesus. God, make us truly thankful. Cause us to have joy in the midst of difficult days, knowing that you are in control. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. You are dismissed.